Hello and welcome to another episode of Solo BG Podcast. This is episode number 78 and my name is Derek and well, if this is your first time in the podcast, well, this is a podcast where we talk about board games, mainly solo and cooperative board games and we have so far 77 previous episodes that you can check those up. Uh, the last one was a very uh, special one because it was uh, one about my one of my favorite games, which was Lord of the Rings: Journeys in Middle Earth. So after you are finished listening to this one, you can go and check that one out. Also, this one is going to be a little bit different because it's going to be the first time, besides the you know end of the year top five, top ten list that we usually do. This is the first time I believe that we're going to talk about two board games. And this uh, particular episode is going to be a special one for Christmas time because we're getting close to Christmas time 2020. As today, we are recording on December 13, Sunday, December 13. And I hope this episode goes live tonight. As you, uh, many, uh, you know, if you've been a listener, as you, my friend, know, I usually try to record these uh, podcast episodes as close as a live experience can be. With that being said, I try not to edit too much, only, you know, put some music between sections and stuff. Other than that, everything that you're listening to is basically me standing on my game room with my console in front of me and my recorder here and my board games at the table and on the shelves and just talking to you as if you were here with me having a glass of water, wine, juice, soda, whatever you name it, uh, and we are talking about games. This one is going to be the Harry Potter special. Now, big disclosure before we start. Um, these uh, two games that we're going to talk about today, which is Harry Potter Howard's Battle, a cooperative deck building game, and Harry Potter Dead Eaters Rising, The Fate of Wizarding World is in Your Hands by the OP Games, both of them, Big disclosure, I, uh, oh, the OP and my good friends from US Opoly, a matter of fact, my friend Ross Thompson, which I say hi to Ross, um, they send me both games completely free uh, for me to check them out, to try them out, to have fun, and also to play it with my friends. In that way, I could do an episode about them, and now here we are with this Harry Potter special. And I decided to do it this way, combining these two games in one episode rather than <clears throat> do one episode for each one of them, since I know that a bunch of friends out there and a lot of you amazing listeners are Harry Potter fans. Another big disclosure is that I'm not a Harry Potter fan. I actually haven't seen all the movies. I haven't read the books. So that could help, I guess, in my review, in my perspective, because I'm also going to be, uh, you know, not playing any bias, uh, you know, just talking strictly about the games, what do I think about the mechanism, and if uh, if I recommend these games to you. And, of course, towards the end of the episode, we also are going to have our rating, and we on, we're going to tell you if it's a game that, you know, usually games that are uh, 4 or above, which which we rate the games here from 0 to 5. Every game that I'm 4 or above, I call it a solo BG must have, and those games are staying on my gaming library. Sometimes games that are below that, I keep them if my wife likes them or my friends or whatever. But usually those games, they go away to other families. Either I give them away or something, right? So... Anyway, I wanted to throw out 
uh, that information. Another thing is that if you want to support the show, there's many ways that you can do it. So, so the first one is uh, kind of like a win-win. I always say, if you go to www.kickstarted with ed at the end, kickstartedgames.com, uh, you can get 15% off from your total purchase if you mention the code SoloBG altogether. Kickstartedgames.com. Solo BG, you get 15% off, and if you're in the U.S. like me, you get free shipping uh, for every $100 or more. That's one way. The other way is following us in our social media, Solo BG Podcast at Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Believe me, every time that you follow us, every time that you give us a like, every time that you share a post, every time that you comment on a post, it really helps the show to keep going, and it helps me a lot. So I really want to say thank you to all of you amazing listeners that sometimes you tag us on social media thank you so much for that and um the the last way that you can also support the show which is very important as well is to subscribe to our show in any of the audio platforms or podcast platforms for streaming out there if you're listening through itunes through uh through spotify through any of those uh if you can hit the subscribe button that would be great and if you're listening through itunes if you can uh type a feedback or a review at the bottom that also helps a lot to the show so as you can tell there's many 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 ways that you can support the shows and I'm sorry, support the show for Solo, for Solo BG Podcast. Of course, if you listen to other podcasts, please do support them as well. Um, and there's a lot of surprises coming up for 2021 because I'm going to find more ways that you can support the show, but at the same time that you can get special perks. So that's going to that's gonna be one of the perks that I've been working on 2021. And I already spoiled that to you. Besides this episode, the one that you're having on air, um, that we're having on air right now, um, we're going to have two more. We're going to have one that for sure is going to be our top five of 2020 board games, solo and cooperative board games. So special mentions over there. That's the next episode. And then we're going to have a last one, a very special one as well that I don't want to spoil you yet, towards the end of the year. So... Uh, you still have two more episodes besides this one for Solo BG Podcast before 2020 ends. So there's a lot coming on. Anyway, like always, let's start in three, two, one. Welcome to Solo BG. Your podcast for solo and cooperative board games. Here you will find everything you need to know about your favorite and most recent games. Art, rules, gameplays and interviews. Here is your host, Derek Rodriguez. Okay, so now we are officially in on episode 78, Harry Potter, the special of Harry Potter. And like I mentioned on the introduction of the show... We're going to talk about Hogwarts Battle, which is a cooperative deck building game, and Harry Potter Dead Eater Risings, which is a um, rising game. You know, it falls in the category and the series of rising games, which actually the OP, they have already a few of those with different franchises. For example, the first one was Thanos Rising. Then they have also the Star Wars, the Dark Side Rising. They have the uh, the Sp- uh, SpongeBob, SpongeBob. I'm sorry, which I don't remember the name exactly, but it's something like Plankton Rising or something. And they also have uh, on the universe of the DC of Dark Metals Nine, the Mar- Dark Metals, Dark Knight Metals. I'm sorry, uh, on the the Batman Who Laughs Rising. That's one that I'm very excited to try, and I know that my friends from the USopoly, they already, at this time, they already submitted an order 
to send me a copy of that one and I can't wait to try that one of course because if you follow me on the previous episodes and social media and you know all that good stuff you know that I'm a big huge tremendous DC and Batman fan so uh, I can't wait I can't wait to try that one as well what I've been playing most recently well I actually got a big Kickstarter that I was expecting uh, you know, for a little bit ago now, and I got it this week, and I brought it to the table, and I actually have it on my table right now, in one of my gaming tables, because uh, it's a game that I was looking forward uh, to play, to try, to see the components, to check it out, and I'm actually very, very pleased so far with, with the first scenario that I play, and I'm talking about Kingdom Rush. Kingdom Rush, it's a game that it's uh, published by Lucky Dog Games. Now, if you have an Android, I guess I'm going to keep commercial here. If you have an Android or an or an Apple device, iOS, uh, you can go into the, any of those app stores and you can actually find the Kingdom Rush game, right? So there's this game is based on an app game. And it's basically a tower defense game, but it plays very different because usually the tower defense, you know, they're basically that very straightforward tower defense mechanic where you either gonna roll dice or play cards. Um, usually, you know, I guess very very uh, dice chuckling and very trash, or I guess card chuckling if that's a category, and very trash as well. But this one, it has a very uh, nice, interesting, uh, puzzly mechanic. Uh, on how you're gonna try to block the enemies, I guess, that are coming to towards the end line or the beginning line, which it will be the same as the tower defense. Because believe it or not, here uh, you are not defending a tower; <laughs> you are, you know, defending, I guess, the entry to your kingdom or or whatever you're gonna call it. But you use towers to attack, uh, powerful towers to attack the uh, these bad guys, these baddies that are coming at you. I don't want to tell you too much. I don't want to spoil you too much. But I want to tell you that I've been playing this game. I did, if I remember correctly, I didn't went for the all-in, which now I kind of regret after having the first experience of the game and liking it a lot. I liked it even more than what I was expecting. Um, but, uh, you know, I went the, the basic pledge, basically, where I got my big box of the Kingdom Brush, retail components, you know, retail version, and with the uh, Spider Goddess um, expansion, which adds more, uh, I think we leave seven more scenarios and and another two uh, big bosses and some, I think two or three extra characters, something like that. I haven't very dive in on the expansion. I'm playing right now with the with the retail version, the basic game. But at the same time, I'm glad that I backed this one because in that way, when I uh, get it to the table more times and when I get ready to do the review, uh, I will I, I will be able to talk to you in the retail version, which of course is going to be the one that most likely, if you're not a Kickstarter backer uh, from this game, or if you wasn't a Kickstarter backer of this game, you will be able to find on your favorite local gaming stores. So that's, I guess that's the bright side, right? But to be honest with you, I regret not getting the all-in because like I said, I've been uh, seeing a lot of pictures around and, um, you know, it, it seems like it's great, great content, great stretch goals. The miniatures, I thought, the hero miniatures, I thought they were bigger for what I remember seeing on the Kickstarter page. But I guess because one of my weaknesses is that I back a lot of projects like crazy. I could be wrong and just like scrolling through and, okay, boom, this pledge and that's it. So, <laughs> which I don't recommend to do it. I mean, I you should do research every time that you're doing a Kickstarter. But, you know. That's me. I just go in back and cool. Because once again, it also helps the podcast because I had I get more games for review. 
Um, so yeah, that, that's my uh, you know my first impressions of Kingdom Rush. Like I said, I'm looking forward to do an episode very early uh, next year. So uh, in that way, I have some more time bef- bef- between right now and Christmas time to play it a few times more, probably finish the base game campaign uh, and check out the expansion. In that way, I can give you more more details about the game. But just so you know, I already started playing it. I already put it on the table. It's great. And uh, I already shared some pictures, actually, in the social media. So check it out. I, check, I share some pictures on my table with Kingdom Rush on it. Another game that I play, it was... Oh, my God. Sometimes... <laughs> here it comes to my other weakness. Sometimes, you know... And sorry to give advertising here. I always will say, go and support your favorite local gaming stores. And you will see that I do it as well. I will talk about it in a little bit that. But before we jump into the gaming stores, my other weakness is that sometime, and once again, sorry for the advertising, sometimes, or a lot of times, uh, you know, during the day, I go to Amazon and I'm just scrolling, you know, through there and see, you know, I have my list. I'm pretty sure like a lot of friends uh, and a lot of you amazing listeners, I have my listen my listen, my <laughs> list of of board games, right? I have my list of board games. I like. I have my list of uh, Funkos and collectibles. I have my list of vinyls because that's another hobby. I love music, and I love to get my music in vinyls. And uh, you know, I have a nice uh, vinyl uh, record player. So anyway, I have my vinyl list, and I have my clothes because sometimes I get some cool shirts from Amazon. You know, with geek stuff. So. Anyway, I have different lists, right? And I usually go to my gaming list to see, okay, you know, I've been having this game for a while, see if it goes, you know, in a, in a special price or something like that. But also, I follow a lot of Facebook pages where they're always part posting board game deals. And last week, <laughs> actually, when I recorded the last episode, somebody posted a link of a little game that it was on like in $6 or something, 6 or 5 American dollars. And it was this little small party game that is called Trash Pandas. And I went in, I went in and, and I buy it just because, okay, it was cheap, whatever. So that's my other weakness. I brought it to the table with my wife. And actually, it's a very, 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 very simple game. Very easy. The art is very, very cute because um, it's called Trash Pandas, but you are uh, you are raccoons, actually. So you, you're playing with cards that, you know, you basically, it's in a raccoon universe, if you want to call it. And of course, who doesn't like raccoons, right? Like, they're so cute and all that stuff. Anyway... What you're trying to do is to get majority in different sections of or different types of cards in that way you can get more points at the end of the game. And just to explain to you very quickly, very briefly quickly of how the game works, basically, you have a deck of cards, you get a dice, and you have six different tokens. Each one of those tokens will give you different abilities that you can do on your on your on your turn, right? So on your turn, you're gonna get this die. You're gonna roll, and every di- every face of the die, it's one of those six tokens. So let's say you get it, the trash symbol. Then you grab the trash token. Then you roll again, and you get one pine or one one tree symbol. You get that token, and so on and so forth. If you manage to get the six tokens, that's great because that means that you will get two turns in a row. Now let's say you have four tokens, and you roll the die, and it it, it shows one of the uh, in the face one of the uh, the result is one of the tokens that you already have you're busted and you have to return all the tokens to the middle of the table and you only get as a consolation prize one card from the main deck and basically on your cards like I said it's going to be like five different categories I remember one it was like a like a rotten pizza and other ones that was like a fish and um, you know some silverware and you know trash just basically everything related to food and trash right because the raccoons like to go there and steal Everything from there. Anyway, uh, at the end of the game, during the game, I'm sorry, you're going to be stashing those cards face down in different piles, of course, in that way you can organize better. And at the end of the game, whoever has the majority of each category 
is going to get a certain amount of points, and then the second place, another amount of points. And at the end, whoever has more points wins. And that's basically it. It's a more like a family uh, kids version game, I guess. Very easy. Anybody can play it. But that's that doesn't have anything bad with the game. I actually enjoy it with my wife. I mean, two players work great. And I actually got it thinking of that I'm going to see, uh, hopefully next week, my niece and nephew, which they're little kids in that way. You know, we can we can play it with my family that they don't play too much games. And of course, nothing. I'm not going to bring Kingdom Den Monster or, or I don't know, of, of Gloomhaven or Mage Knight, right? To play with my family. So I was like, okay, at least, you know, I can I can play this one. And yeah, there's Trash Pandas, my $6 uh, purchase of the week. And uh, I mean, it's whatever, you know. I will keep very small box. I will keep it. Uh, I'm not throwing it away. Don't ask me for a rating because... It's hard for me, so hard for me when people ask me for ratings for those games. Like, what do you think about the game? Do you think it's a four, a five, a three? I'm like, those party games is very, very, very hard. And, you know, probably because we expect so much from games, like we do for, so especially solo gamers, I feel like we expect a lot more. Like, I feel like people that they don't play solo games, they do enjoy, of course, Euros and, you know, heavy games and stuff. But... You know, I don't know if you th if you agree with me, but most of Euros they feel like are the same, at least for me. And 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 as a solo gamer, when you play campaign-driven games, adventure games, or stuff like that, you expect more. So I don't know. It's just it's just me. I wanted to share that thought. The only the other game that I played was another game that it was on my shelf of shame, actually for quite a bit now. And I'm talking about Pan Am. Pan Am. It's a game that in U.S. at least you can find it everywhere on major. Uh, on your, of course, gaming stores, but you can also find it on Target, which is one of the main, uh, you know, franchises here in U.S. And um, <clears throat> you can find it in basically in every Target. It's more, it was more like a Target audience uh, game. I was very pleased with that game, and I feel sorry that I have it on. I had it on my shelf of shame for a while. Pan Am, it's basically, I I think it's like a more like a ticket to ride in a complicated way. What you're trying to achieve is to, you know, at the end of the at the end of the day, to buy stocks from Pan Am, and it takes you back to the history when Pan Am Airlines start to, you know, progress and and dominate the world basically, on, on, you know, through all their routes with, you know, route uh, plane routes. So um, <clears throat> they all start from Miami and they start to expand. So on your turn, basically, you're gonna try to build airports to put your planes on on different routes, and then if Pan Am uh, happens to go through that route, they will buy your route they will give you a lot of money and then when that with that money at the end of the round you can buy stocks from panem and whoever has uh the majority of the stocks at the end of the game is the winner it sounds very simple like i explained to you but it has a lot of a strategy on it it has a lot of depth on it and um i'm not gonna do an episode about panem the game and but i will tell you this i did like it a lot i really like the components of the game the little planes that you get I really like the mechanics of the game, how it has some bidding mechanics and also worker placement mechanics, uh, some sort of hand management because you have different locations that the more locations you get, the easier for you is going to be to uh, put planes on those routes. Um, you know, I like how the with the resources that you get, which is the money you can buy, you can decide to spend the money either in planes, uh, you know, bigger planes until you get a jet in the way the jet can go anywhere basically. Or you can also use your resources to spend on cities in that way you can buy different cities and things like that. I think it has a lot of mechanics involved on Pan Am. Um, it's definitely a Euro game, I guess, in my opinion. 
light euro but at the same time if you compare it to the other games that you will find in this store which is the target audience where you will find the back to the future games when you had to actually uh, ticket to ride and more like simple games pan am i think in my opinion from all the games that i have had from from that category outstands all of them uh, and i think it's great it actually is going to stay in my in my gaming library and i can't wait for times to get better and play with more friends because it's 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 a great game. I really liked it. And I have heard nothing but good things about everybody else regarding Pan Am. So there is a game that you should get if you have a group of, of friends to play or even if you have another person to play with. That would be a quick, nice, uh, good recommendation from, from my part. Get Pan Am. Doesn't play solo though, but... It you it's it's a great game. I think honestly, like I said, anybody will enjoy it. And also because that has it has that complexity level that is not crazy hard, but you had to to understand what are you doing and 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 how to change the strategies. And also that could be like a you know door opener game for people that they don't play board games because it feels different and it feels immersed. Um, but at, at the same, you know, reach of anybody if somebody's able to teach it. So uh, there you go. Pan Am, big recommendation from Solo BG Podcast and from my, from me as well. The other game that I actually haven't played, though, but now going back to what I was telling you about f- supporting your favorite local gaming stores. Yesterday, I was in my gaming store. Honestly, I didn't have anything in mind. But I crossed about this. I crossed through this little box. Uh, from a solitary, completely solitary game that I have heard very good things about it. And I'm talking about the Arkham Noir. And the Arkham Noir, it's a small box game that it's a solo game by Ives uh, Thorny, I hope I pronounced it correctly, and it's inspired by the stories of H.P. Lovecraft. And I got the case number one, The Witch Called Murders. Small box, and I, I haven't even opened it. I got it on my, fam- on my uh, friendly local gaming store, like I mentioned, and or favorite local gaming store. And it's basically Arkham North, a solitary card game inspired by the interconnected stories of H.P. Lovecraft and other authors. Reimagine as noir detective stories. Each case stands alone. Gameplay consists of adding cards to open cases, creating lines of investigation in an effort to solve them. The ultimate goal is to score five puzzle clue cards in order to piece, it to, uh, to piece together the big picture before running out of time or mental stability. Each newly shuffled deck is the start of a unique challenge with adjustable difficulty levels to accommodate all levels of players. In The Witch Called Martyrs, Howard Lovecraft investigates events based on the stories The Dreams in the Witch House from 1933, The Thing on the Doorstep from 1933 as well, and The Unnameable from 1923. And the components is 64 cards and one rulebook. It is one player only, plays 14-year-old plus, and it plays in about 30 minutes. That's what they said. Uh, It's from Ludonova and from Forge Next. So... I'm really looking forward to open this this uh, small little friend and you know have uh, you know take a look at the case number one, the witch called murders, and then share my thoughts with you. I have heard also nothing but good things about this uh, series of Arkham Noir. I saw that they were, they had on my store uh, this case number one and case number two. I decided just to get only case number one just to give it a try, and if I ended up liking it, uh, you know I will definitely get the other cases. I don't know how many cases there are out there. If you have experience with this game, please share on your comments wherever you're listening through or in our social media. And in that way, I can go and play this one. Actually, I'm going to use it because I'm going to travel to Texas very soon to see my family. And I will take that game with me. In that way, 
when I find a little time, I can have my solo gaming part of the day with <laughs> Arkham Noir. Now let's jump into the into the episode today. Now for this episode, you know, I usually divide. Um, you know, the, the sections, I guess, like uh, box and cover, inside the box, and, and all that stuff. Here, since I'm, re- I'm reviewing two games, or I'm talking about two games that, once again, I think this is the first time. So after 78 episodes, we now have two games that we want to talk about. Um, I think we just, literally, I'm just going to, you know, I have the two boxes here in front of me. I'm going to open both, tell you, you know, what's going on components and wise and then i'm gonna do one game after the other one and then i'm gonna share my thoughts so probably there's not gonna be too many uh you know uh sections between other than uh our great sponsor section which is uh kickstartergames.com so let's start with harry potter's harry potter because it's only one harry potter there's no there's no too many harry potter howard's battle a cooperative deck building game this is a game that is designed by the op once again or usaopoly previously called USAopoly, and it plays two to four players, fully cooperative, that means that you can do it solo. It plays aged aged from uh, 11 years or more, and I'm actually going to open the box here. And on the back of the box, you get, um, you know, Howard's Battle, a cooperative deck building campaign, and you get a picture of all the heroes that you will get. You will be able to play with uh, Harry, with Hermione, with Ron, and um, what's it called, this guy at the bottom? <laughs> Sorry, you see, I'm going to open the box anyway, and I will tell the name of the characters again. You will get the villains, and you will start with uh, in Howards to, you know, to create your battles, I guess if you want to call it. Let's open the box, and let's see what we find inside. I'm holding the microphone with my arm here, uh, and let's see. I, li- I really like the box, though, because the box... The art, it's like a, a small luggage, like, a you know, from Harry when he's going to Hogwarts. I have seen in all the movies that he's always going to Hogwarts to the train. I hope in all of them, but at least in the first three. <laughs> so you get like this luggage uh, suitcase with uh, stamps from all the different, um, you know, houses of witchcraft, I guess. Yeah, that's what they call. And, you know, you get uh, Hogwarts, I think. No, the Gryffindor, uh, Ravenclaw, Hufflepuff, and Slytherin. There you go. You get all those four stickers, um, I guess, printed on the little luggage box, and it's pretty cool. I really like the box, actually. It's 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 cute. It's nice and it's thematic. Then you get the first thing you're gonna get is the rule book, uh, which it's gonna be sort of like a legendary type of rule book because it's gonna have some areas where you're gonna be able to put some stickers and change the rules of the game, and it's a uh, 16. Well, actually, a 14 double-sided pages, but the nice thing of this is that you will be finding more rules as you play. So you get the rule book there is. And the components that you're going to get on the game, once again, is going to be mainly cards. Because why not? This is a deck building game, right? So you're going to get, um, you know, villain control tokens with their metal. I like them. Good quality. You're going to get attack tokens, influence tokens. You're going to get a game board, which... In a lot of the deck building games, you don't get a game board. In this one, you actually get a game board, and it's in it, and it helps. I mean, because even if in some deck buildings, there's like, yeah, here's here's the the board here, here's the neoprene mat as well. Like, and sometimes it's just art, or usually in deck buildings, most of the time it's art. Here is actually, you know, with different sections that you will be using. So the the game board here is great. It works great, and also each each player is gonna have a a hero board or a player board as well. And the first, you're going to have different, also different boxes where you're going to have the different games that you're going to be playing with. The art of the board also, very sturdy, the quality. The art is great. 
uh, you uh, have the Marauders map. Uh, Mooney, Wormiddle, Padfoot, Prongs are proud to present the Marauders map. Here it is on the back. Howards, and then you open it and you have all the sections that you will play with. Then, once you open the box, you will get the player mats, like I said, a bunch of tokens. And a lot of boxes that they will go from game one all the way to game seven. How it's going to work? Okay, what the thing? The first thing you're going to do is set up the game. So you're going to lay out the board. You're going to lay out cards that you will be able to recruit them, which they are heroes. You're also going to have some locations. Uh, depending on each game, each box of game is going to change the rules a little different. But basically, you have this location area where you're going to be trying to, you know, uh, prevent that that one that it shouldn't be named. I think that's how it is. <laughs> you see, so lame. I should be a Harry Potter fan. I know all those details. Basically, you're trying that Voldemort doesn't get, you know, over the location. Also, you're going to get the villains area where you're going to be drawing villains. You're going to have also the villains where the, the area that they're going to be once they're draw. You're going to have a discard area. And once again, the area where you can recruit cards, which you can recruit uh, from any option from six cards that you're always going to get. On the base game or the game one, you're going to choose one hero. I played with Harry and Ron. And um, then you're going to get their starting deck, which is 10 cards. You're going to draw five. And then you're going to do your stuff. On the first, you know, the first thing that's going to happen uh, once after you set up and you have all the tokens on supply pools and stuff, the first thing that's going to happen is that the game is going to activate. That's the first thing. The game will activate first. So let me find here really quick in that way I don't miss, I don't miss say anything with these um, wizardly words because sometimes these wizardly uh, words I don't even know because like I said, I should be a fan of the, <laughs> of the, of the franchise in the way I will tell you better you know but basically once you start you're gonna resolve uh reveal and resolve the dark arts event cards you see i was just going to say the event cards but no is there is the dark arts event cards okay so you're gonna get the dark arts and the dark arts usually is gonna be a consequences as uh, the first game is gonna be easy but usually the worst consequence that you can get it's adding one of those evil tokens uh to the location and once it gets full, well, you lose the location, basically, and you lose the adventure. Then you will resolve any villains that you have faced up abilities. Uh, you know, they will either make damage to you or add more uh, of the evil tokens to a location or things like that. And, you know, just bad things, bad things going on. Then you're going to play your hardware cards and do the hero actions. Now, usually, on most of deck builders, whatever hand you play... You can either attack or get resources, but that's it, only with your hand. Here's a little bit different, though, because if you, as you play a resource card, you're going to get the same amount of resource from the resource pool. If you play an attack, it will tell you, like, basically gain two sort of, like, energy um, symbol, which those are for attack, and you're going to get those. But... You don't have to spend them on that round. You can just be collecting resources to get more rich, I guess, in resource, or or, or or the other way to get more attack tokens in that way you can get more powerful. You don't have to assign them on that on that turn, which is, I think, one of the difference from this deck building and other deck buildings. Uh, regardless of what you do with those cards, either to spend uh, gain the resources or gain the uh, attack tokens, then you're going to do your actions. If you want to start to attack the enemies, most of the enemies will have a health number, either 6, 8, 12, so on and so forth. 
With in your turn, after you play all your cards, you can decide to assign any of those damage tokens to the enemy. In that way, you kind of weak them. In that way, you hope for the other players to kill uh, that enemy before he comes back to you. Or if you can kill him, you will kill him. Um, actually, some cards that you play, they will tell you if you kill an enemy this turn, you gain this or that. So that's one thing that you can do, assign attack. And the other thing, like I mentioned, is to buy cards from them from the one from the pool, which you usually have six. You don't replenish as soon, as soon as you buy, though. You have to wait until your turn ends. But you can try to buy something, some spells, items, or characters, which they're called allies, or you can just wait and keep getting more resources in that way you can become more rich and then try to buy better cards. Uh, anyway, after that, you're going to end your turn. You're going to discard any remaining card tokens, um, you know, that you uh, that you use for to kill enemies or whatever. And then you're going to draw new cards. And you're going to keep playing like that until either the evil wins, which once again is because they control the location, or you win by killing all the enemies. Then once you finish the first game, you're going to proceed to game number two. And in game number two, and I'm not giving you too much spoil because I don't want to tell you what rules change on every game, but... Uh, on game number two, it's gonna you're gonna get a deck of cards as well that you're gonna mix with deck number one. You're gonna get more enemies, and basically you have a, now a bigger pile of enemies. Uh, you have more event cards, more dark arts. Let me sorry, <laughs> let me say it correctly. More dark arts event cards, which is gonna be is gonna make it more dangerous. Loot the event uh, phase, and um, the locations also are more powerful. They have different abilities, uh, different effects that is gonna make you harder, and the enemies have different abilities as well that is gonna make you harder. And then you can also sometimes choose with more heroes and stuff. You return all the cards that you bought from the previous game to the main uh, pool. Uh, you return all your tokens, and then you start with your ten. Uh, um, I'm sorry, your your pile of ten cards from your starting uh, hand, I guess, your starting character. Then you draw five, and you keep going. Once you pass game two, you open game three, and basically you do the same. Now the game is longer. It's more challenging, but it's longer because now you have basically the components from those first three games all together. Actually, on the rulebook, it tells you that if you are new to deck building, well, to start from game number one, they told you that if you are a solid gamer and a deck building gamer, well, then you should start opening box number two, number three, Follow the instructions on each box because each box will also give you a, instruction, a small instruction booklet, booklet. I'm sorry. Then you mix them and then you start to play from three, uh, game three on until you reach to game seven. And and that will be it. I don't want to spoil you more on what rules change in four, five, six, seven. But there's some stuff that they change. Uh, some mechanics that now they change a few rules. Actually, on the on the rule book that you have those spaces to play this to put the stickers is because some rules change and things change. Like I said, I don't want to spoil you, but basically the idea is that you're playing through the movies. You played from movie one to all the way to seven. Like I mentioned to you, I have only seen three. Uh, of course, the game gets longer. I play it solo with two players and. Now, now we're going to go to the part where I'm going to share my thoughts about Harry Potter, uh, the deck building game, uh, Hogwarts Battle. I play it two players. Like I said, I use uh, Ron Weasley and Harry Potter, and I wait through all seven games. I have to say, without spoiling four, five, six, and seven, that this game definitely, I don't think, I don't consider it a legacy game. 
it is in the in the aspect of you know opening the boxes uh, finding new stuff new components putting some stickers here and there but at the same time it's well i guess it doesn't give me the, if i compare it for example to aeon and i'm doing like oof like you know point a point to point z or whatever um you know aeon zend it's 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 a legacy game i mean you, you can you can feel especially the the new ages gives you like an introduction to a legacy but actually you have the legacy game where you are actually destroying and, and opening and and more like immersed experience then you have uh clank legacy as well that you know it's another great legacy that i like that you're doing kind of the same then you have charter storm from stone games different game worker placement but it still has that legacy here it's like a very very compressed legacy if you want to call it I didn't get that feeling of it. I was more like, oh, cool components, whatever. But it, I, I guess it would be a good introduction for somebody doesn't, that doesn't play legacy games, I guess, and they want to experience something. There's some mechanics that are interesting moving forward. And I do agree with the rulebook that there's no need if you basically know how to play the buildings to start with game one, game two, game three. Unless unless you're a big Harry Potter fan. And that's going to come in play with my review as well. Um, the components of the game. The components, I think, they're great. Uh, the, the main board, very sturdy, very good quality. Uh, the art, it's great. They actually use the art from the movie, which that sometimes can be risky because sometimes when they use photographs and stuff, yes, they it can look good and at the same time, not so good. Here, I don't think it's a big deal. It looks good. It looks nice i mean you you start with harry potter and ron when they're kids then you keep seeing you can actually i don't want to spoil you but you will see the evolution <laughs> of these characters as they're growing up as well in real life and on the franchise so you get what i'm saying the 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 player boards are good good quality sturdy they're not paper it's strong cardboard tokens normal quality cards are okay i mean i think they're great if you want to sleep them it, they will look great as well. I mean, so you won't have any 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 problem with that. Um, and yeah, the components. I think the metal tokens there were my favorites. Those are for the evil. What are they called? Let me go back here to the rulebook really quick before I mess it up again. Because like I was calling that the evil token, but they're probably not. They're not called evil. Villain control tokens. There you go. Those ones are my favorite. Those ones are actually metal, so they're very heavy. I like them. <laughs> they're great. So components wise are great. The art of the game, like I said, I think it's good as well. Um, the box is probably one of my favorite things besides the metal tokens because I really like the art on the box. I think it looks cool. I think if you're a Harry Potter fan, once again, uh, I think it's going to look cool display over there. Um, even you can... Some people I have seen in Etsy and stuff using the box for other purposes. So, I mean, <laughs> it's, 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 it's good. I, honestly, it's, it's nice and I like it. And, you know, the impression that I got after playing this game a few times, I was like, I really want to see the whole franchise and the movies and... And, you know, and see if I can get, you know, very excited about it, uh, as a lot of you amazing listeners are, because I think it, it's, I think I'm going to like it once I, I see all of them. Um, the other, the, let's go into the things that, you know, it can be a little bit, you know, drowning from the game. Um, once again, I play it solo. I didn't play it cooperative, but it's two players, so it's basically the same, uh, you know, if I were playing two players or solo. But... Uh, one of the things is that this game, uh, it can get, I don't want to spoil it too much, but it just basically gets longer and longer and longer and longer as you're playing. Because let's say you 
play the first movie. It's going to go short. I played, I think, like in 25 minutes. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Movie two. I played, like, add another 10 minutes, 35 minutes. Movie three, 45 minutes. And then I was, because I was playing solo. Of course, if you're playing with another actual person, there it could be longer. This is solo gaming, right? Managing two players. Then fourth movie, you're reaching the hour. Fifth movie, you're reaching the hour in 20 minutes. Sixth movie, you get the idea. You keep going and going. It can be like a two, two and a half hour if you play probably the seven game or two hours, two players solo, right? Of doing the same over and over and over and over because the mechanics doesn't change too much. It's just the same over and over. Okay, I get my cards. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use these ones to buy resources, to buy cards later. And I'm going to get these to use the power tokens to use them later. And then, okay, I'm going to assign three power tokens to this enemy, two to this enemy. Uh, and then next turn, Ron goes. Okay, Ron already saved from previous turn like a bunch of attack. Then he's going to throw it away to all of them, the kills. Okay, he buys cards. Then we get new enemies, new event phase. So you get is over and over and over 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 and even if things change during the game mechanic wise and this is where i'm, I'm glad i'm not a fan of the of the, of the franchise mechanic wise it feels the same so it can tend to be very 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 repetitive um, that's one thing of the game i know that the mechanics of any other games are the same but here it's different because you're just adding more time and more of the same so that's the part of legacy that I'm not sure because usually in legacy games things change significantly. I'm sorry, that's a, to say that word significantly to uh, you know improve the experience to to give something different for to to change a little bit, make it more interesting and don't and in that way you don't feel like okay now I'm playing for the seventh time same game again. No, something changed, something significantly changed. In this one, I don't think that's the case. So it just get more repetitive the replayability uh, basically you get if you play all the movies you get seven games out of here if you play uh if you jump skip the three and you just go you're gonna get four plays out of here um and that will be it because even if you change the characters once again without spoil for the first three movie they don't have abilities it's just it's just um it's just them it's just changing the the you know the 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 character. So I don't think switching characters, even if I spoil you a little bit, if there's a little bit of down the road a little bit of abilities, I don't think switching characters will add more replayability. I guess what you can do is um you can go through, you know, I mean if you want to make it given more replayability, you can be like, okay, if I play game four or five and I lose, then I had to start all over again. Well, yeah, you you can do that if you want. But, I mean, technically, um, you're just going to play through the movies, and that's it. And if everything goes well, you're going to play seven times, and that's it. I know there's a, uh, one or two expansions. I think one for sure. I actually saw it yesterday on the gaming store. Um, I think there's for sure one expansion for this. I don't know what it adds, to be honest with you. But just talking from this base game, this is what... One of the things that the game lacks of that I think it feels repetitive, and I please the re I think the replayability is is not gonna be there as much. Um, and talking about mechanic wise and game experience wise, now, in my opinion, rating the game zero through five, where five is the best game ever, for me, this Harry Potter the Howard Battles falls in a category of a three point five. And, and you know, I think I think it's nice. The 3.5 comes also from the component type uh, quality. I'm sorry, um, the 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 I guess the different feeling of okay, I can keep my resources and I can buy cards later rather than 
you know, like other games, okay, I play my five cards, I get three, that's it, I'm done. I'm going to need to buy another card and then, you know, to get more more um, money, I guess, than the world and more, uh, you know, currency. Here, I like that part of they did an effort to make it a little bit different. I like that the board, it can actually help and it's implemented. I really, really enjoy the board. And I know it could be something insignificant, but in some deck buildings, you don't really need a board. And in this one, you actually need the board. So I think it's great. Uh, another big example, like the legendary games, you actually need a board as well. So that's great too. Um, so there's that. Also at 3.5, because I feel like this is a game that is very good for that target audience of fans of harry potter fans on the other hand i think that's also something that the game can it can hurt the game because if you are not a harry potter fan you will have fun and that's it if i was a fan probably the rating could be a little bit a little bit slightly higher but because i'm not you know, there is a 3.5. I think it's a great game. I think it's also a very easy deck building game that can help as well to bring um, more fans to the hobby in the aspect of, okay, what is this new mechanic of deck building if I if I never play board games before? And also because the theme, I think there's more people out there that, that they like Harry Potter than people out there that they don't like Harry Potter, like me. So, <laughs> so there is. So that was uh, Harry Potter Howard's Battle, a cooperative deck building game. 3.5 out of 5 you know i think it's it's a good game i was ex- actually when i was and i was playing the game i was expecting worse because of the reviews uh, that i have seen have seen i'm sorry but um i think it's 3.5 is great i think solo is great if you ask me oh we didn't talk if you ask me if i rather play this game solo or cooperative i rather have this play solo this play I think this game, I'm sorry, I think it's a 3.5 if you want to play it solo, if you want to hold through a sort of a short legacy adventure and, and you know, uh, play the game, good components and stuff. And, I mean, nice theme because the theme is good. Even if, if I'm not a fan, I mean, the theme is good. So, so soli- Solitary, I think, a 3.5. If you ask me to play it multiplayer, three to four players, I will never do that. Never. Probably two players, I will try it. But three to four players, I will never play Harry Potter Hogwarts Battles because it would just gonna be longer than what it is, and um, and I also think that it would if I would have played multiplayer, probably my rating uh, would have go lower. So so just to leave it there, it's three point five solitary game. I think if you're a fan and you are a solo gamer, you should definitely check it out. That's Harry Potter Hogwarts Battles. Are you looking for that Kickstarter game that you missed during the Kickstarter campaign? Are you looking for that awesome and mythic expansion for one of your favorite board games? Are you sad because you didn't got the Kickstarter version of that game? Or perhaps you are like me and like to get a game with Kickstarter exclusive components and stretch goals? Well, don't look any further and go right now to kickstartergames.com. There, you will find Kickstarter board games, expansions, Kickstarter exclusive content, graphic novels, RPG novels, toys and collectibles, and much more. Kickstarter games is my favorite site to go and get those amazing games that I want to have on my gaming collection. Plus, they offer free shipping in the US when you spend $99 or more. And if that wasn't enough, Right now, you can get a 15% off if you use the code SOLOBG. That's right. Use the code SOLOBG altogether 
and obtain 15% off from your total purchase. So go right now and check it out while you listen to this episode. Once again, www.kickstartedgames.com and enjoy all those amazing games. Now, talking about the the other game that we have for tonight, this evening, today, it's Harry Potter Death uh, Eaters Rising. Now, I mentioned before that this game falls in the category of all the Rising franchises. We talk about that Thanos Rising, Star Wars, The Dark Side Rising, Bob Sponge, SpongeBob, um, and the Rising one, the Plankton Rising, that this the upcoming DC, uh, Dark Metals, Dark Knight Metal, uh, the Batman Who Laughs Rising, and Harry Potter here. Harry Potter's Eaters Rising, it's a fun dice chuggling game, and I'm spoiling you already with my thoughts. Basically, if you haven't played any of the rising ones in this episode we're not gonna compare them because i also have the idea of getting well i have most of them now except the the spongebob and the batman that is coming um do you know what special one about the risings and difference and stuff or if it's the same game anyway you get the idea but for death eaters rising we're just gonna focus on death eater rising and that's it what are you gonna get and let's open the box it comes in a, in a nice sleeve actually white sleeve the the box is blue dark blue greenish with black and it tells you that it plays uh Harry Potter's Dead Eater Rising from the OP games uh, I plays uh two to four players for 11 year plus 60 minutes per session and we're going to talk about the time in a little bit actually um and the first thing that you get it's a rule book and it's a 12 double-sided page rule book uh, very nice very straightforward the illustrations with these games of rising games once again we're not comparing you usually don't have to worry about going and watch a video or going to board game geek because they are very self-explanatory so you get the idea, very nice. So that's a uh, double-sided 12 rulebook. Then you get a fantastic, fantastic, great, top-notch miniature of that one that it shouldn't be named. You see, like, I shouldn't... I know there's a phrase like, that who shouldn't be... Something like that. The one that you didn't say the name, but I will say it, Voldemort. <laughs> you get a fantastic Voldemort miniature that is not actually a miniature, it's a statue. It's great, just gray and black, but the details on it, I mean, I feel like you can still add some shade if you want to paint it and uh, and probably paint the the one I guess but um, other than that I mean you can leave it just like it is and it's it's great it's it's fantastic the mini the, the statue again is great then you get uh, three different puzzle type pieces cardboard that you're gonna put together and that will uh, be your main board you're also gonna get a bunch of cards that they include location cards and hero cards and starting cards and stuff you're gonna get Voldemort as well Voldemort card you're gonna get um, the hero, a small mat. The heroes you you can play with Howards, uh, you can play with uh, Dumbledore, Dumbledore's army, uh, or you can play with the Order of the Order of Phoenix. You get some acrylic tokens that you will use to track damage. You get a bunch of dice. You get a uh, eight side dice, which that's new in the Rising series, at least for me. You get tokens and you get all that you need to play the game. Okay, so what are you going to do? Basically, if you're playing solo, which it will be two players, you're going to choose two different houses that you're going to play with. Uh, you can choose Howard and the 
you can also play the Order of Phoenix. If you play three players, you can choose each one of them, choose one. Now, you're going to have two copies of each. In that way, uh, two players can be Hogwarts if they want to do it that way. Or two players can be the Order of Phoenix. Regardless of how you do it, everybody, you can play up to four players, is going to get one of those cards. The, um, you know, your hero mats, I guess if you want to call it. Um, and once again, we're going to talk about the, the experience that I had with two players, which is you can basically play with two players or solo, just like in Howard's, uh, Howard's Battle, the deck building game. You're going to get one of those. You're going to place it in front of you. And from that house, you're going to choose a starting hero. Uh, you can get Voldemort, um, Voldemort now. You can get Dumbledore. <laughs> you can get Harry Potter. You can get Hermione. Any of the starting uh, uh, witches or wizards from the movies. Once you choose one, you play it with you, and they will also have an ability. Usually those abilities are, well, if you have another wizard of this type, you can get an extra die or so on and so forth. And now what's going to happen is that you have three areas where you're going to put uh, three different locations. And those locations, you have two copies of each. Or they are like, um, you know, I got to locations, houses. Yeah. So once they have, they call headquarters cards, I'm sorry. Then you're going to randomly place, once again, you hit one, two copies of each. You're going to randomly place them on the three different areas on the map. For example, you get the Hogsheads in, you get the Hogsmaid train platform, you get the Atrium, uh, you get the uh, Department of Mysteries, you get uh, Ollivander's One Shop, you get Gringotts Bank, all these locations that I'm pretty sure my friends, pretty sure my friends, you know which ones they are because you're fans uh, from Harry Potter and not like me that I should be. Anyway, uh, once you put those locations randomly there, then... Then you're going to shuffle the deck of heroes with the starting heroes, everything. You're going to shuffle it. Of course, not the one that you previously choose. You're going to separate the Voldemort card. That goes separate. Once you shuffle that deck, you split it on the middle, and then you put the Voldemort deck, and you put the half that you took away on top, and that's a big pile of cards that are going to be playing on the game. Then you're going to put three cards on, three, on the three different areas from the mat, and that's it. You're ready to start the game. During the game... You're going to roll the A-side dice. That's the first thing that you're going to do. And that's going to make Voldemort either move to the right, move to the left, pointing in, you know, to the adjacent areas on the map, right or left, or he's going to instruct him just to stay there. All right? If he moves to, to the right or left, regardless of what is the case, he's going to activate all the enemies there. And the enemies that are there, the what is it called? The, the uh, Death Eaters. They're going to activate and they're going to do awful things to you like damaging your your wizards on your team or damaging the wizards there or so on and so forth. Also, wherever Voldemort is pointing, is going to cause it's going to give a, a hit of damage to all the heroes that are there. And if you are there because I didn't mention this and I skip a big important rule of the game. Before you roll the Voldemort die, your token from the house that you are, you're going to decide where to go. In, in any of those three locations, all right? So once you decide where to go, you're going to go there, and you will see why in a little bit. Uh, Voldemort rolled the die. He moves towards or right or left, like I mentioned, and he's going to activate the Dead Eaters, and he's going to make damage to all the wizards there. If your token happens to be there, your wizards on your playmat, they're also going to get one hit of damage. Then it's your turn. You're going to gather all the dice that they're uh, mentioned on your hero mat, plus any other dice that you have uh, for from recruiting wizards before that they give you more die, you're going to roll your die in a Jatsy style 
you're going to assign one symbol because you have different results that you can get with your dice, um, you know, and then you're going to basically assign at least one symbol of those to any of the wizard cards that are in that location where you were or to any of the dead eater cards that they're in that location. So once you assign a symbol, you can assign one, two, three, four symbols, however you want. Then any remaining dice, you reroll. If you don't want to assign any, you can forfeit, forfeit a dice. Then, depending at the end of the turn, if you reach the amount that it was required of symbols on any of the wizards there, or in any of the dead eaters there that you that you were previously assigned those dice to, then you're going to either give a damage to the dead eaters, only one damage per round, or if it's a wizard, you can recruit them. And when you recruit them, they recover all the health, they go to your player mat, and now they, they trigger that ability that is going to help you for the future rounds. If you hit the dead eater, you put one point of damage, and you also get a spell token, and those spell tokens will have different advantages to you, like uh, different types of results or different types of situations that will happen. Um, after that, basically... That's that's the whole thing. Now, there's some cards that they're going to be adding influence tokens, I guess if you want to call it, to the different uh, locations or headquarters on this on the different areas. Remember, there's two in each, on each um, side or in each area. Well, if that's the case, you're going to get uh, you're going to put an influence uh, stone on that little card and it can hold up to five. If once once the fifth one is rich, then you will put this uh, headquarter card below a different map that you have for the game, where is where you where you put all the dead wizards and all the dead um, eaters. So you're gonna put it below, and now every time that Voldemort activates the symbol on the eight-sided die, because it has you have three results that makes Voldemort go to the right, three results that makes Voldemort go to the left, and two results that basically has like a, a snake kind of type of symbol. Those same headquarter cards, they have that snake. So when they are there, that means because uh, Voldemort put all the influence in them, um, they're going to also activate an ability that is going to harm you a lot. Also, some of the Death Eaters that are around the, around the table, um, they also, if they have that symbol, they're going to activate and they're going to do damage to whatever they have to do damage. Also, when you roll that symbol, Voldemort doesn't turn either right or left. Instead, he activates every dead eater that is on the table. So, as you can see and as you can hear, he can become, he can become very, 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 very powerful if he rolls those symbols, which, once again, it's only two faces from the eight-phase uh, uh, eight dice. So he can be very, 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 very powerful, and that can lead that can uh, lead to a very early lose of the game. Why? Because there's only one way that you can win, and that way is to try to find Voldemort and kill him. Remember that we put him on the middle of the deck. Eventually, he will come into the table because as you killing dead eaters and as you recruiting heroes those go away from the t from the main board and you get replenished from the from the main deck that you're drawing heroes and and eaters when you get voldemort reveal you don't assign it to any area of the board he has a different board where all the previous dead wizard and dead eater go and you will place him there now you are able in rounds to go and try to kill him there now here's the thing from that moment on, the game changed one specific rule, and it's the following. 
Once Voldemort is visible, you can travel to Voldemort location. First, you're going to do the exact same thing. On your turn, you're going to assign your token, your deployment token, I guess if you want to call it, to any area, any of the three areas of the map where you are trying to recruit wizards or try dead eaters or save somebody. All right, Because it's very important to mention as well that the different wizards and eaters, they will have certain uh, level of health that they're represented with cubes on the card. And every time that they get some damage, you put an acrylic token there. But they don't die until the end of the round if they don't have any uh, many more available spaces for damage. So you can still save them. So when you place your token, because you want to go to a specific location to try to save a wizard or kill a dead eater or whatever, or recruit a certain wizard, after you place that, you're going to roll the Voldemort token. And he's going to do the same. Either activate everybody, which that will be very unfortunate, or turn right or left and still do some damage. After that, from all the dice that you gather from your player board and your abilities and wizards and stuff, you can decide if to forfeit one to travel to uh, Voldemort's location. That represents your search for Voldemort. You're trying to go and find him and kill him, right? So you can forfeit one, forfeit one dice and go to Voldemort's location. Then you can start to assign dice. Now, the other catch is that every round you can do, you know, one damage. But you can only do the amount of damage equivalent to the amount of dead eaters that you already have killed before. So with that being said, if when you go and Voldem when Voldemort is already on the game, if you only have managed to kill three dead eaters, even if you hit him three times, that won't be enough because Voldemort has five points of health. So you will have to manage to first, before you attempt to go and kill Voldemort, I guess, to have five dead eaters killed in that way. Then you can travel in future rounds to Voldemort, hit him once per turn, five times, and then you win that game. So as you can see, Voldemort is very, very powerful, and he's going to he's gonna be requiring a lot of luck and a lot of strategy on your part to try to defeat him. Because that's the only way that we can gain, we can win the game. Now, he, on the other side, he can win in different ways. He has four different ways of winning. Either too many wizards are defeated, which I will tell you how many wizards in a little bit, depending on the player count. Um, you can, if any one player has all the wizards on their team defeated and has no wizard remaining, that means when you start with your player hero, you start with one wizard. If at some point you don't have any other wizards on your team because they're all well killed, well, you lose the game and Voldemort win as well. Um, if four or more places are corrupted, that means as soon as Voldemort had already four places that they were corrupted with the influence uh, tokens, you lose the game. Also, if you happen to lose two cards from one area, let's say from the headquarters, you lose the two, the two cards, they go to the Voldemort location, and then on the board, they on the main board, you still have uh, areas where you can place influence tokens. If that influence to area from the board gets full, you also look, uh, you also lose the game. So as you can see, there's four different ways that Voldemort can basically win, 
And there's only one way that you can win, and that makes the game very challenging. Now, regarding the end of the game, um, if if we're playing two players or solo, and Voldemort um, managed to kill eight wizards, we're done. If he if we're playing three players, it's ten wizards. If we're playing four players, it's twelve wizards, and so and there's variants as well uh, so that you can make the it's there variants that there is in the rulebook that you can change the game either more easy or difficult depending on what you want to do and i will read it for you really quick since it's here and it's very short it says the game variant is uh beginning uh beginning players may increase the difficulty of the game by reducing lord voldemort's le uh, damage level to four instead of five uh, alternatively for more challenging experience increase lord Voldemort's damage level to six or more are you crazy <laughs> this will require lord uh this would require players to defeat more more uh, dead eaters and deal more damage to Lord Voldemort to win. Are you crazy? It's it's super hard already. I mean, we don't want a more powerful Voldemort and you know require more uh, you know dead eaters to kill you know to to win the game. So I think the game as it is is challenging. So don't trust in those game variants. Don't don't do it. Uh, listen to me. Don't don't even forget that I said it. Um, so anyway, that's Harry Potter Dead Eaters Rising. The fate of the wizarding world is in your hand from the OP. Um, this is a very different game to uh, Harry Potter Har Howard's Battle of the Building. First of all, one is a deck building. This is a classic dice chuckling game. Jatsy style where you're rolling, you're assigning dice, you roll again, assign more dice, you roll again, assign more until you are done with your turn. Let's start with the things that I don't like from the Harry Potter Death Eater Risings. Most importantly, and uh, the first one, it's going to be the replayability of the game because, once again, you're playing the same over and over and over. Now, the game is challenging, so, you know, it, it can it can motivate you, I guess, like if you lose, you're like, okay, now I want to play again because I want to defeat Voldemort. But the, re the replayability falls on that aspect of it. Um, the, if you want to change the game variants, I mean, sure, go for it. But you will be playing the same game over and over and over. And once again, and I want to mention in a big disclosure again, that I'm not a Harry Potter fan, so I'm just focusing on the mechanics of the game. Um, the other thing that it, it can be a con it's the long turns if you're playing, or the long rounds if you're playing a three or four player game. Why? Because while one player is rolling, assigning, rolling, assigning, rolling, assigning, and at the beginning you start with four dice or five dice, then you're going to be getting more. The other players, let's say you're the first player, you roll, assign, roll, assign, roll, assign, roll, assign, roll, assign, and then Voldemort, well, before Voldemort did his, his stuff, and whatever, boom, goes to the next player. Guess what? Just wait. I mean, just, um, you know, watch the game, basically. I mean, you're just watching because it's going to be a significant amount of time before that whole round <laughs> comes back to you. So, so as you can tell, um, that, that's a big, big drowning part, the, the amount of, of, of time that this game will require if you play it three players or more. Not only from the game wise, also from turns. And let's 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 face it. I mean, it's sometimes it can get boring waiting for a turn. Now, if you're playing solo, that's a different story because you will control two players or three players. It doesn't matter how many characters you want to control because you're always playing. So, so that that changed the <laughs> the perspective completely. But because the game it wasn't designed to be solo, I have to say that 
that you know that that that's is is there that exists there. Two players, I don't think is that bad, but three or four, it's it can be a long game of the same and the same and the same. Now, uh, the all the other thing is I don't know why this game they don't. I mean, they say two to four players in all the boxes, and once again, this is not a comparing episode. But why you don't? And the same goes for the Howard battle. If it's fully a cooperative, I mean, come on, put one to four players, one to four players. First of all, that will help you on, on to to uh, improve your audience of target for gaming because you will agree with me that now is weird if you see a game out there and it doesn't have a solo variant. It's like now every game has to have a solo variant in order to you know have a better audience and 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 a more wider. A target of marketing, I guess, if you want to call it. So that's one thing that I don't understand either, and I wanted to put it as a con. Now, going into the pro, the the the, the components are great. That uh, statue of Voldemort just it's it's great. I, I told you, I'm not a fan of Harry Potter, but the 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 statue looks so. I'm sorry for the expression. Expression so badass, so cool that. I'd really <laughs> want to play, you know, it brings me up. If I'm walking through a convention like the good old days, which I hope those days come back, um, and I see this game on the table, it's most likely I'm going to stay there and be like, oh, what's that game? I mean, I want to, you know, demo it and see how it goes. And Because it looks great. The art, it's great. The, it, they use actually the pictures from the movies, but once again, it works well. And I think the OP, they have a very uh, nice um, graphic designing team behind because they're able to you know, manage somehow that even if they use pictures from movies, they look cool and they look good. They use the main characters, the characters that we all love. I guess if you're a fan of the franchise and the characters I only know because um, I haven't, you know, I already said like 50 times, but you have Harry Potter, you have Ron, you have Hermione, you have all of those. Um, And you get to play with them. The game is challenging. It's hard. Believe me, it's hard. And I think that has been one of the formulas for these dead, from these rising games to to be able to manage to that um, they're challenging. Another plus for this game is that it feels different. It feels different from the. Uh, it's, it's, I hate it because it's not a comparison uh, episode, but it has mechanics that they make the it makes the game different. Feels different, like the headquarter thing, the influence, and how he's getting influence and stuff. I mean, I guess with the Thanos, he was getting the stones and whatever. But I, I do, I do like it a little bit better here, you know. And I think that's great. I think that's great. I think it's fantastic. Uh, and and um, that that part of the game, I think it works well. Now, with that being said, if I rather play this game solo or cooperative, definitely, definitely, I like to play this game solo. So both of the games today are solo, solo gamers. Like if if you, I guess, if you have your kid over there with you or your kids over there with you and they like Harry Potter, well, you can always bring them to the table. But I'm, I'm, I'm saying more objectively for for fun experience, you know, with, with, the, with the games, I definitely see that Harry Potter, the Dead Eater Rising way, play ways better solo because the time will be less and still it's going to be an hour and an hour and a half game. I don't think it's a 60-minute game. I think it can take 90 minutes, sometimes two hours. So that's why solo, it's, it's, I think, is the, the right way for me to go because you're always, always playing and you don't have to wait, of course, for the turn of the fourth player to go, second player, three player, four player, and then you again. So that's one thing. I think for me, 
this game rating wise will be uh, very close to the Ford, probably a 3.8 out of 5. Um, I think actually I did enjoy it more than I was expecting. I was expecting, like I mentioned to you, I own two other rising games. I was expecting more like, oh, okay, it's more of the same, but Harry Potter, I don't have any interest. I mean, I will probably, yeah, whatever. No, I actually, I would say that mechanic-wise, this is probably my favorite rising game. And, and you know, talking specifically about game, the, the game, I think a 3.8, it's a good rating for this game. Now, what happened is that these rising games, it can have the same effect as the villainous from from uh, Disney, right? And, and now the uh, villainous from Marvel. That once you get one, you kind of want to keep it in that way you can, you know, have all of them and get the different versions. Now, for some people, it will be the opposite. It will be like, no, I don't need five games of the same just with different theme. Uh, you know, I just want one. If I if if I will go with one mechanic wise and game wise, it will this will be probably my go to the Harry Potter. I really, I really think it feels different, and that's why I am giving it a three point eight. And I promise you, I will watch all the movies before I review another Harry Potter game because I want to be more excited <laughs> about it, and I want to get the names better and know the locations better and stuff. So that was it, my friend. This is special episode of Harry Potter. Um, you know, we talk about two games. That once again, they will send uh, for free to me by the OP. And and yeah, so there is that. Next episode of next week will be uh, our top five games from 2020. And I will have my old friend uh, Je- Jonathan and Caleb. If you have listened to previous episodes, you know that when I started the show, it was mainly with them. Then for live reasons, it was only me. But they will be here for uh, our top five show. We're going to talk about each one of us, about our top five games of 2020. Like always, it doesn't mean games that they were released this year. It's more games that we play this year and that we like the most. And we're going to have some honorable mentions and we're going to have games that we didn't like. And it's going to be a very, very fun, very fun episode. So stay tuned because it's coming next weekend. I already mentioned all the ways that you can support the show. So please do. Uh, and get yourself a 15% off with kickstartergames.com. Like always, thank you so much for everything. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for sharing. And, you know, like always, remember... For victory, go tell your friends. Till next time, see you through the speaker and at the tabletop. <laughs>